Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. I wanted to follow up on a question that for each of the panelists as far as, is there any uh, volume of intracranial hemorrhage that you, below which you would not, that or below which you would not anticoagulate, I mean, uh, reverse anticoagulation. Could you all each answer that in your experience? And I'd be very interested in the audience, what their thoughts were too. You want to start with with that, Adrian? Well, I think um, David's case (laughs) (laughs) makes a strong case for it. Um, You can see the emergency physician's concern in in David's case. So, I mean, I'd go back to the point I made before, which is that they've got so much to lose. And I think um, you, you obviously you have to balance risks and benefits, don't you? And I think um, we have touched on the uh, risk of thromboembolic comp- complications with the reversal agents. But if you look in um, the trials, those were often quite late on. So they, they're unlikely to be to do with the reversal agent specifically, but rather to do with the reemergence of the patient's underlying thrombotic risk. Um, so... Um, you know, and I think also the, the, there's, you know, if you look at the data altogether, there is a meta-analysis which brings it all together, but the quality of the studies is very different. So if you run a prospective clinical trial, then the monitoring for events is going to be much better and you'll see a higher rate, whereas if it's a retrospective sort of note review study, you're going to miss a lot of them. Um, so I think that's uncertain as well. But you've got to balance that against the, the, the risk of hematoma okay. expansion. But I think, for me, usually I'd err on the side of treating them then. Okay. David? A short answer. I totally agree with uh, with Adrian, to be honest. Uh, um, there's no lower limit. I would probably set an upper limit. So a patient who already has uh, at least 100 or 90 mils of the bleeding, so very large bleeding, probably even 60 mils. So um, these patients, if they tend to expand, I would, re- I would consider those patients probably not to reverse because they already have a very poor um, prognosis, probably. That's probably an upper limit, but not a lower limit. Because those are days... Patients have much to lose. And, and Natalie, I'm going to pick your brain both both ways with a first a non-traumatic ICH and then a traumatic ICH. Are there patients with trauma that, uh, but first first with a non-traumatic bleed with anticoagulation? Is there any patient you wouldn't treat? Um, I think the one that I might not treat would be the person who potentially you know describes their fall as being yesterday, for example, with the thought that they've probably had that period of time um, to allow. So time would be the one thing that would prevent you from potentially, from yeah, potentially treating. But if the if if it was non-traumatic, you would say reverse Correct. the the anticoagulation. Uh, are there any other questions from the audience for uh, the panel? Yes, yes, but Dr. Ratcliffe, please. I just want to say thank you all for for, uh, for doing this today. It's been very helpful for me. I do have a question. I, it's mostly, I think, I just wanted to hear you, you talk about this, if you would. I feel personally pretty confident that the direct reversal agents, iterosizumab and, and, and dexin alpha, actually have a biomarker response. But could I hear you? I'd love to hear you for kind of discuss a little bit more the impact on clinical outcome um, and, and I know this has, been, this has been kind of alluded to several times, I think, David, that you presented some data on this. Um, but still, I think digesting it is something that is difficult, especially when I'm presenting this information to a hospital administrator to now purchase a medication that is uh, uh, expensive. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think 
I was just going to say that in terms of the impact on outcome, you're, you're trying. You have to remember, you're trying to prevent a complication, aren't you? So you're trying to stop them getting worse. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, the, the the trials don't have long-term outcome data. Obviously, you've you've shown some of the propensity score match studies and so on. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's, I totally understand your problem or the, the situation because this. It's a bit less sexy to sell, to be honest. We, we all know about thrombectomy cases where we're going for ischemic stroke and going to thrombectomy. We see a patient, we treat them with a quite expensive treatment, but all of us have experienced these cases where patients walk out uh, on a stroke two days later, which came in uh, severely disabled. So there's an immediate idea what, what you did, um, how, how beneficial it was. And for, as, as Adrian said, preventing a complication which in long term will Will, will pay out one day is very it's much more difficult to to sell because it's not visible and uh, what we know from all these ICH studies uh, is that the, the that improvement takes time so they don't improve on day two or day three they usually improve on day thirty three months six months one year because all these studies need so long follow up and it's very very difficult to to explain to to hospital patient to, to administration people I, I agree but um, uh, I think it's. I don't have a real uh, argument uh, other than that, that's what I just said. But I'm, I understand it could be a problem. Do we have anything to add? Yeah. So you mentioned whether you know this does have a good biomarker response, which was um, you know the primary endpoint for um, the Anexa three study as well as um, in the Anexa four, one of the two um, endpoints. Um, within that was also hematoma expansion. There was moderate correlation with the um, change in biomarker or the anti-factor 10A activity level um, with um, the patient, specifically in intracranial hemorrhage, um, not as much for um, the GI bleeds and other sites of hemorrhage. Um, so um, that is that is certainly there. And the other piece with that in exit four study is um, I believe the median time um, from presentation to when um, patients receive the reversal agent was was quite long. It was several hours. Was, I believe it was like six hours. Um, so um, some of that piece may have been missed. But I think it's a really good um, point also to, to, to strengthen that in these studies treating ICH patients, we always need long-term outcomes to 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 assess outcomes, actually, and to give patients time to recover and to actually measure, measure the benefit that you might achieve in the acute phase. So 30 days is probably too short to, to see these effects. We probably need to measure three months, six months, 12 months in these studies to, to see the, the effect that we have done in the, in the acute phase. Any other questions that I'm missing? No. wanted to really thank our speakers. It was wonderful, very... Uh, uh, very intellectually stimulating and really well done as far as the presentation of the evidence. So I want to thank uh, Dr. Kreitzer, Sifke, and Pari Jones for being here today. And uh, I wanted to thank everyone here for adding to this uh, discussion by your expertise. So thank you so much. And we, once again, very much appreciate you being here and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, EMCREG International, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.